Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's voice and live life through the lens of Scripture. The Bible in a Year podcast is brought to you by Ascension. Using the Great Adventure Bible timeline, we'll read all the way from Genesis to Revelation, discovering how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. It is day 343, another palindrome day, and we're reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 22, as well as the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, chapters 9, 10, and 11, and Proverbs, chapter 29, verses 5 through 7. As always, the Bible translation I'm reading from is the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic edition. I'm using the Great Adventure Bible from Ascension. If you want to download your own Bible in a year reading plan, you can visit ascensionpress.com slash Bible in a year. You can also, little known fact, in the last 20 some days of this Bible in a year podcast, you can still subscribe to the podcast and you would be subscribed. It would be day 334. Nope. (laughs) And day 343 for you. We're reading Acts chapter 22, 2 Corinthians chapters 9, 10, and 11, and Proverbs chapter 29 verses 5 through 7. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 22. Brethren and fathers, hear the defense which I now make before you. And when they heard that he addressed them in the Hebrew language, they were the more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born at Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, educated according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as you all are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brethren, and I journeyed to Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. Paul tells of his conversion. As I made my journey and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone about me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul. Saul, why do you persecute me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise, and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And when I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me, and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And in that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the just one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Paul tells how he was sent to the Gentiles. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance, and saw him saying to me, Make haste, and get quickly out of Jerusalem, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was shed, I also was standing by and approving and keeping the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, Depart, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Paul and the Roman Tribune Up to this word they listened to him. Then they lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he ought not to live. And as they cried out and waved their garments and threw dust into the air, the tribune commanded him to be brought into the barracks and ordered him to be examined by scourging to find out why they shouted thus against him. 
But when they had tied him up with the thongs, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, Yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, I was born a citizen. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him instantly, and the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. Paul before the chief priests and council. But the next day, desiring to know the real reason why the Jews accused him, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet, and he brought Paul down and set him before them. The Second Letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians Chapter 9. Generosity in Giving Now, it is superfluous for me to write to you about the offerings for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brethren so that our boasting about you may not prove vain in this case, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we be humiliated, to say nothing of you, for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren to go on to you before me and arrange in advance for this gift you have promised, so that it may be ready not as an exaction, but as a willing gift. The point is this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that you may always have enough of everything and may provide in abundance for every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your resources and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for great generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the rendering of this service not only supplies the wants of the saints, but also overflows in many thanksgivings to God. Under the test of this service, you will glorify God by your obedience and acknowledging the gospel of Christ, and by the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Chapter 10. Paul Defends His Ministry I, Paul, myself, entreat you, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold to you when I am away, I beg of you, that when I am present I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of acting in worldly fashion. For though we live in the world, we are not carrying on a worldly war. For the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle to the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that as he is Christ's, so are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I shall not be put to shame. I would not seem to be frightening you with letters, for they say, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. 
Let such people understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. Not that we venture to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limit, but will keep to the limits God has apportioned us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. We were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in other men's labors, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our field among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's field. Let him who boasts, boast of the Lord. For it is not the man who commends himself that is accepted, but the man whom the Lord commends. Chapter 11, Paul and the False Apostles. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me. I feel a divine jealousy for you. For I betrothed you to Christ to present you as a pure bride to her one husband. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his coming, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and preaches another Jesus than the one we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you submit to it readily enough. I think that I am not in the least inferior to these superlative apostles, even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not in knowledge. In every way, we have made this plain to you in all things. Did I commit a sin in abasing myself so that you might be exalted because I preached God's gospel without cost to you? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in want, I did not burden anyone for my needs were supplied by the brethren who came from Macedonia. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boast of mine shall not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And what I do, I will continue to do, in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is not strange if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Paul's Sufferings as an Apostle I repeat, let no one think me foolish. But even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying, I say not with the Lord's authority, but as a fool. In this boastful confidence, since many boast of worldly things, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools being wise yourselves. For you bear it if a man makes slaves of you, or preys upon you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I have received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I have been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I have been shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brethren, 
in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure upon me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I do not lie. At Damascus, the governor under King Aretas guarded the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in a wall and escaped his hands. The Book of Proverbs, chapter 29, verses 5 through 7. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. An evil man is ensnared in his transgression, but a righteous man sings and rejoices. A righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. Father in heaven, we give you praise and glory. We thank you for this day. Thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be reminded. And that's the key, Lord. So often we forget who you are. We forget who we are in your name. Lord God, we also forget that you're present to us and that you desire us to be close to your heart, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our situations, regardless of the season of our life, whether that's an early season, we have so much ahead of us, a middle midday season where we're just kind of in that the doldrums, or at the end, the twilight of our lives. Lord God, you are present, you're active, you're doing something now in us, in whatever circumstance, in whatever situation, and in, and in whatever season we are. You are doing something in us now. So please, Lord God, help us to give you permission. Help us to allow you to do what it is you are trying to accomplish in us this day, this moment, this situation, this circumstance, this season, in this most holy name of Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so here is St. Paul. I don't know if you noticed last week there was a little, or sorry, yesterday there was a little cliffhanger in chapter 21 where it said that Paul stands up, he's in Jerusalem, the whole mob comes around and they and Paul has to defend himself. And then it says, there's a great hush. He spoke to them in the Hebrew language saying, and then we just ended. And then here we are in chapter 22. Here's what he said. Brethren and fathers, hear the defense which I now make before you. They realized he was speaking Hebrew. And so they, even more, they were hush, husher, hushered. They were even hushier. They were even more hushed, <laughs> all the more quiet. And St. Paul tells not only of his pedigree, he also tells of his conversion, right? So that he studied under Gamaliel. We heard about Gamaliel earlier in the Acts of the Apostles where the church, the Sanhedrin, the council, right? They were coming against the early apostles, Peter and John and those others. And Gamaliel said, you know, if you fight against them and they're from God, you might find yourself fighting against God. Uh, but if it's not from God, it'll burn out on its own. So Gamaliel one of the chief rabbis, one of the most popular, famous, influential rabbis of the time. Here's Paul, who's one of his students. And then he tells his conversion story. And this is, uh, again, just an incredible kind of situation. But people don't necessarily respond to it. So what happens? The Romans come and they're about to scourge him. And then he, Paul pulls out his Roman card, his citizenship card, which is, you know, it's not his get out of jail free card, but it is a couple times his get out of scourging free card. So that's good for Paul. Actually, Paul is going to use this Roman citizenship to journey all the way to Rome with the idea that maybe he'd be able to even preach the gospel before Caesar. So this is one of those situations where God uses everything in our past 
to be able to forge a way for our future, right? God uses everything in our past, something that maybe Paul at one point thought was was useless or was thought was, maybe he even thought it was foolish that he had this thing, that he was born a Roman citizen because he was living in a Jewish world, right? He was living as, as a student as to become a rabbi at some point. But maybe now that he's reaching out to the Gentiles, this Roman citizenship that he was born with took on a new value that he never could have imagined it having earlier on. I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but it's worth considering. In 2 Corinthians, we also have some St. Paul telling a little bit about his pedigree, but that's in chapter 11, uh, where St. Paul says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are the descendants of Abraham? So am I. And in that, right, we have St. Paul, who, again, God uses our past, even things we're not in control of, being born a Roman citizen, being born Jewish. He just uses those things we're not even in control of to pave a way for our future if we are willing to surrender those things to him, to the Lord. Now, Paul starts out chapter nine talking about generosity because he's been asking these Corinthians, these Christians in Corinth to be willing, maybe for the first time, maybe we'll say this in a new way to be generous. He points out to other communities, other churches around where St. Paul has been a missionary to, he's, he's been the evangelist of, that they are very generous. And he's asking the Corinthians to also be generous, but not, and I love this, in chapter nine, verse six, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this is a really big thing. We can, we can be willing to serve. I know this is true about me. I can be willing to give. I can be willing to serve. But sometimes I just get this, you know, this attitude and I, oh, okay, I'll serve. I'll show up. I'll do the thing you're asking me to do, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it easy for you. Like, I'm not going to give you the impression that I enjoy this. I'm going to give you the impression that I'm doing this because you asked me to do something I don't want to do, but here I am because I'm a generous person, et cetera, et cetera. And St. Paul is saying, no, 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 none of that. <laughs> none of that. Be a, if you're going to give, be a cheerful giver. And I, it's a good, it's a good uh, reminder for me, maybe for you too. But going on, Paul has to defend his ministry because what's happened, of course, is that there are these. I like how the RSV says superlative apostles. Other translations talk about the super apostles, and these super apostles are those who have basically kind of relied upon their credentials, and maybe in some ways to usurp what Saint Paul has taught to the people in Corinth, and so he has to pull out his credentials once again. And one of the things that I think is really interesting is when St. Paul is talking about his credentials and not just his credentials, but talking about this battle against these people who have made themselves his enemies, it's very clear that St. Paul is not carrying on a worldly war. He even says that in chapter 10, verse 3. He says, the weapons of our warfare, this is verse 4, are not worldly, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And this is important because this is not just in the context of St. Paul who is arguing against people who are teaching falsely about Jesus. But even it's true about, you know, so often we want to be wise in the ways of the world, which is not horrible, but we also have to have a wisdom of Christ, the mind of Christ. So here's what he says in verse five, we destroy arguments and every proud obstacle to the knowledge of God. And here's this key and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And this is really important to take every thought captive to obey Christ. And the question we get to ask ourselves is as a Christian, do I take every thought captive like, or do I just kind of let my thoughts be whatever? I let my mind wander. And that doesn't mean that I'm like disciplined the entire time and I can't sometimes let my mind rest. What it means is, what do I feed my mind? To take every thought captive means that I don't just treat every idea as equal to every other idea. 
take every thought captive doesn't just mean I I allow every thought unfiltered to go into my mind or every thought unfiltered to come out of my mouth. <laughs> that is kind of important. To take every thought captive, I think it's it's a, that's a good prayer for us today to be able to recognize that we must not acquiesce, right? We have to take every thought captive. Now, going beyond this, there are so many things to be able to point out. One is St. Paul's, you know, his, his disposition. He's, he makes a point, we've already pointed this out, but that people would say his, his letters when he writes to us, wow, he's really strong, but in, in person, he's he doesn't seem so intimidating. That's an interesting kind of side note. But there is something that happens when it comes to these other false apostles that bring up something in Paul. This is in chapter 11, where he basically says, what you must not do is you must not compare yourselves. That comparison um, because he's, he's going to say, I'm, I'm essentially, I'm not going to compare myself to these super apostles either. And he, he basically warns against this, this wound. Maybe it's even a sin of comparison. And I just think there's something really important because even though he goes on in the end of chapter 11 to describe all that he's been through, he even says, this is, this is dumb. He says, basically, I'm a fool for even pointing this out because this doesn't add to my credentials. The only credential I need to rely upon is that the grace of God, in the grace of God, Jesus Christ has called me to be an apostle. That's it. And he goes on to say that I'm jealous for you. And that's, that's why I'm writing all this. Not because I'm, I'm fighting against these other false apostles, not because I'm jealous of those false apostles, but I'm jealous of you. Not because I'm comparing myself to these false apostles, but because I actually love you. We heard about this yesterday when St. Paul was leaving Ephesus and how those people that he loved, loved him back. And here in Corinth, you just wonder, hmm, he loves them as well. Did they love him back the way that the Ephesians loved him back? Maybe they did. But it's definitely true, definitely true that St. Paul, the reason he's writing this whole thing is because he's jealous of them. He's jealous of their hearts. He's jealous for them because he loves them. He cares about them. And that's why he's willing to fight for them. And that's the truth for us too. Gosh, there's so many people in our lives that are walking away from the Lord or don't even care. And they might say, just leave me alone. Stop talking about the Lord. Stop asking if I've listened to the Bible in a year. Stop whatever. And you say, ah, the only reason I'm asking is because I'm jealous for you. The only reason I'm asking is because I know the Lord loves you. The only reason I'm asking is because I love you. And yet still, it's easy to get shot down in the midst of trying to love someone who might not want to be loved that way. So to have the strength to keep moving forward, we need God's grace. And so we need to pray for each other. I am praying for you. Please pray for me. My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless.